And I'm on Glash, and, and I'm Lawson, Lawson Ann Walters. Lawson Ann Walters. That's my, that's my middle name for you. That's not... Do you know my middle name? It's a, bi- it's a, it's <laughs> it's a, a Bible it's name. It's a Bible name. Yeah. It's it, the most biblical name. It's Michael. Yes. Yeah. The most biblical name. Do you know, name. that's my one party trick, is I'm really good at remembering people's middle names. Really? If I've ever heard your middle name, it means I can What's remember your it. middle name? I think this is probably why I remember people's middle names, is because I don't have one. It's like a complex. <laughs> no. I'm serious. It's a, you don't have a middle name? I don't have a middle name. Is I'm, that a German thing? I think so, yeah. Do most German people not have middle names? Does your brother have a middle no. name? Does your parents have a middle name? My dad does. You mean your mum doesn't? No. That is freaking me out. Really? Like. I know a lot of Europeans don't have middle names. How do you, like, because I always have to write, like, all my middle names on, like, what do you mean all your middle names? How many do you have? No, I only have one middle name. Actually, I have a friend with three middle names. Really? His name is Thomas. Mm-hmm. His first name. Then Robert Julius Blake. Wow. three middle names and then Kent. That doesn't even include his, like, because my name on my passport is Lawson Michael Fitzpatrick Walters because Fitzpatrick's my mum's maiden name. Okay. Um, but that doesn't even include his mum's maiden name. And for the longest time, everyone just called him Blake. And then when he moved, because he's from Toowoomba, when he moved down here, to, he's working in ministry at the moment. He was he was actually he did a rise when I did a rise. He started calling himself Tom, and then anyone who previously knew him as Blake, everyone was just like, "Oh, it's Blake." And then he would say, "No, it's Tom," and everyone was just like so confused. <laughs> so, but now he's Tom, and he's like living his best life. But man, that's that's scary. That's like, yeah, I think like I think I don't know. I've always I always wanted one. I used to try and make them up when I was a kid. I used to pretend it was Charlotte or, or Carlotta or something. Something like. Do, do you have a name that you wish your name was? Would As you a tra- first name, yeah, yeah. I'd toast change change my name if I didn't think that was a bit kooky. What? 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 What would you change your name to? I don't, I'm not 100 percent sure. I'd have I'd have to think, think about that for a long time. Stefani. No way. Like Gwen in a Stefani, but years. Stefani's no. the first name. Do you ever play this game? I don't know. If, I'm probably the only person on the planet who does this, but I used to play. Well, I still do. So when you watch a movie, right, and you get to the end of the film and the credits are rolling, you have to pick a new name from the from any of the words that are on the screen. I've never played that game in my yeah, life. It's really fun. And you have to like try and pick out the best one before it gets to the end of the credits. And then whatever one is the best is one you're left with. So sometimes you can end up with a really cool new name and sometimes you end up with a horrible one because everyone on the screen has terrible names. True. Yeah. yeah. True. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if I could pick a new name for myself and I had no restrictions, it would be Baltimore. Just letting you know. That's really cool. I like it. You like it? Baltimore. Yeah. And check it out because my last name's Walters because I'm super patriotic of my last name. Like Baltimore Walters. My nickname would be Balters. That's awesome. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like it. Anyway, we are so sidetracked. Sidetracked. And I've got to be honest, for last week, we were si- a little bit sidetracked as well. We got onto a bit of a tangent on stewardship and yeah. should you be vegan to save the planet? And, the answer is yes. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we went on quite a while. Didn't and we, we talked about, you know, and then we, we closed off the week with with Satan himself being a bad steward Mm. and the relationship between stewardship and, you know, neglecting stewardship and then neglecting the rest of, you know, God's commandments and and the things that he has for you. Before we get into it, give us another clue for the quiz. Yes, let me hit you with another one. Uh, This is our What Book Am I quiz. If you can tell me the right answer, I will send you a copy of the prize today. Uh, This is the fourth clue. It says uh, a quote. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Oh, there you very go. Very true. Very true indeed. There you go. And by fear, it's an old-timey way of saying respect. So basically, the um, the old, the old, uh, the old Sabbath school, the the twenty million movement that we've been going through <clears throat> last week. Um, I, I actually ended up reading through it, and I realised that we got super tangent. And super sidetrack, and we only got through about half of the content that it had. But it ended up going into into like a lot of detail about events that happened in the book of Exodus and uh, sorry, in the book of Genesis and things we can learn from that. And then this week, now it's just jumped to the book of Exodus. Oh, has it? Yeah. So we we only talked we talked literally about like the first three chapters in Genesis, whereas the Sabbath school, the twenty million movement Bible study last week just kind of like went through a bunch of 
stuff that happened in Genesis, but we didn't even get there because we were just too busy talking about veganism. But um, we're going to follow what the 20 million movement says, and we're going to be jumping into... Um, we're just going to be jumping into the book of Exodus and, and looking at that. And this is, this is something really cool. I love the book of Exodus. Like, it is... It's a great book. Epic. Yeah. Like, There's I, so much stuff that happens in I there. don't know if I love it more than the book of Genesis. I think Genesis is probably my favorite book in the Torah, but like the first, first five book, books of the Bible. But Exodus is epic as well. Definitely the story section. I'm like a sucker for like, I love stories. Yeah. And, well, but I also love like, I love the epistles because it's like Paul's interpretation mm-hmm. of the stories. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like watching like a, like a movie analysis or something. That's what reading the, 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 the epistles of Paul is like. But so you're, so when you read Paul's epistles, it's like watching the movie analysis. And when you read the storybooks, when you read the gospel, when you read Genesis and Exodus and those kinds of books, you're actually reading the, the story. You're actually reading the movie. And this is really cool. I, I, I'm going to be taking us through a little bit of a Bible study that has to do with Exodus. And it's actually, you know, the one that the, um, the, the 20 million movement is portraying, but a bit of a different angle just based on something I've been studying myself. And I, I call this kind of Bible study, which is sort of like just a trip down the book of Exodus. I call it the gospel season two. Oh, not the gospel, the Bible season, the Bible, okay. the Bible season two, gotcha. because it's really interesting when you read the first five books of the Bible, um, which are, were all written by Moses. Um, some of it was written uh, retrospectively through through prophetic vision, because, you know, Moses wasn't, you know, at the events of creation or the flood or whatever. Um, and some of it is written, you know, sort of real time. Uh, Moses is just sort of accounting events that have just happened and that he's writing about. Um it's sort of like they because there's five of them and they're all written by the same person, they're all kind of heading the same place. Mm. They kind of work as like a seasonal TV show. So there's this one overarching narrative which we see in the first five books in the Bible, which is essentially God trying to get trying to established establish his people, his people who will deliver the Messiah in the promised land. Yes. That's like the ultimate narrative of the first five yeah. books of the Bible. Like, because we, we, we know that because when we read the book of Genesis, the first 12 chapters of Genesis cover like 2,000 years of human history from the creation to Abraham. Like, it's just basically like Moses is just racing. He's just absolutely racing to start talking about the story of Abraham because Abraham was the the father of the faith. He was the person that God came to and made the promise of the Messiah to. So, you know, he goes over like all these huge events in very loose detail. He goes over the creation, uh, the fall of humanity, the flood, the first murder. um, Sorry, the first murder. Sorry, that comes before the flood. um, And then the Tower of Babel. They're they're like the five... The five main events from the first 12 chapters of Genesis, and that takes about 2,000 years of human history for all those events to happen. And then after that, then it just starts getting into micro detail about Abraham. And then by the end of the book of Genesis, like that's all the story about Abraham and then his son Isaac, and then his son Jacob, and then Jacob's 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel. And then um, the book of Genesis ends with basically Joseph has saved all of his brothers and all of the, the sons of Jacob who are his brothers, he saved them all uh, from, you know, from death, from famine. And like, basically the, he saves them because Joseph becomes like one of the most highest ranking officials in Egypt. And it's this awesome kind of story. It's this awesome close where they all reunite because the brothers initially try, man, this is like a post, post, you know, post season recap right here. <laughs> yeah. But the, the brothers tried previously. to, yeah, previously on, <laughs> on Bible. the Bible. Um, so basically, Joseph's brothers tried to kill him, um, and, but instead of c- killing him, they sold him into slavery. And then there's this epic scene at the end of Genesis where basically he accepts, accepts them because he sees that they've changed and they're super sorry about what they've done. Um, and so because of the famine, um, Joseph then asked the Pharaoh, like, hey, can my family stay with us? You know, can we look after my family, the, the Israelites? And... Um, and Pharaoh's like, yep, sure. They, In fact, they can have the best land in Egypt. Like, because jo- Joseph, like, I love you, me, me and you, the, like the Pharaoh and Joseph are best friends. They're like, yep, your family can have whatever they want because we're amazing friends. And then the book of Exodus opens with, but the, f- the new Pharaoh, 
400 years later, he didn't know Joseph. Mm. And it's like, then it's like, bum, bum, bum. And then we get into this new narrative. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. So we get into like this new narrative. Where the new Pharaoh has like where the the new Pharaoh comes along and God is like still doing his his overarching, you know, the 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 main point of of this 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 story that Moses is telling. He's trying to get them to the promised land. But there's this little, you know, seasonal hiccups and seasonal victories and seasonal closures. And the close at the end of Genesis is like, oh yep, so they're they're living with the Pharaoh, you know, regaining regaining in strength. The Bible says they they multiply greatly because they have, you know, good land and everything, and they're, and they're just now they're, they're about to, you know, they're, they're making preparations to, to make their way to the promised land. But then, but. then the new Pharaoh comes along, um, and he doesn't know. Um, he doesn't know Joseph. He doesn't know, essentially, and what that implicates is he doesn't understand why the children of Israel are being, being treated the way they are. He doesn't have that close relationship. Yeah. yeah. He, he doesn't know why, like... He doesn't know, like, oh, why are we treating the, the Israelites so good? They're just these random people who are living with us. Like, they're a different race to us. Like, why do we respect them so much? Why do we love them so much, you know? Um, and basically, Exodus opens with, you know, quick quick talking points about the opening of the book, book of Exodus. It's like, um, the new Pharaoh is actually threatened by them because they're so, they're actually, there's, there's way more Israelites than Egyptians. And so, the Pharaoh is like, oh, I'm so threatened by this, I'm going to make them... Um, slaves, um, and then they start multiplying even bigger. Like, the, he makes them slaves and he, like, works them to the bone, but then they just keep multiplying and multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. And so, Pharaoh then commissions um, midwives, Hebrew midwives, to kill Hebrew boys when they come out. Um, but this doesn't work because the Hebrew midwives are like, um, actually, no, we super don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> and, and they make up, they kind of make up this funny story about how like, oh, you know, the, the, the Hebrews, they're too lively when they give birth and we can't even get to them in time. You know, they just, they're just popping them out. So we have no time to kill the boys. Um, and they're, they're essentially, you know, saying that so they can get away, um, get away from, you know, what, what, what the Pharaoh is trying to command them to do, which is kill these boys. Um, so then at that point, Pharaoh gets super angry and he's like, oh man, what am I going to do about these, these Hebrews, these Israelites? Like they just can't keep multiplying and multiplying, even though I'm dealing with them worse and worse and worse, you know, I'm making them, you know, slaves and I'm, I, I'm, I'm, you know, putting more and more labor upon them. Oh, this is what I'll do. I'll just, um, I'll just, um, incite, um, institutionalized genocide and I'll just throw all the Hebrew boys in a river. And that's kind of the scene that we that we're left with at the start of the book of Exodus. It's like this like terrible situation that the Hebrews have ended up in from no fault of their own but just from someone, you know, just earnestly turning away from God. Like someone just being like, "Nah, like I want to be a terrible and sick human being and I'm just going to do terrible things because I'm greedy and and it's just like Oh, what a terrible place to be in. But then, now we get into um, Exodus chapter 2. And it's like, bam, here we go. It's like, this, this is like it's ramping up here. You know, we're getting into the to the meat of the story. Um, oh, and this is something interesting. It says, um, this is basically an account of the birth of Moses, um, who ended up becoming the savior of Israel. But this is what it says, and it says, um, and a man of the house of Levi went and took a wife, um, took as a wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and, and bore a son. And when she saw that that he was a beautiful t- child, she hid him three months. I just want to stop there and say I tried to tell someone that Moses was a Levite, and that person was like, "Nah, Moses isn't a Levite. Moses is an Israelite." And I was like. That's the same thing. But anyway, so I, that was an interesting conversation that I had like a couple of years ago when I first became a Christian. I like read through the Bible the first time and I got to think, I'm like, oh, Moses is a Levite. And then that person was like, nah. But anyways, I'm continuing on. Um, but she could no longer hide him. So she took an ark um, of 
bulrushes, which I I think is like a, reeds. Reeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, bulrushes um, for him. Daubed them in asphalt and pitch. Put them. Put the child in it and laid it in the reeds uh, by the river's bank. So um, she basically wove a, a reed basket and yeah. then um, made it waterproof. So essentially, like what we're we're seeing here is like desperation mm. to the max. Like, you know, you could read this story and say, oh, man, that what, she's just going to send the child, you know, down the river in a bunch of reeds and, like, you know, like that's going to save him. Like, how how does that even make sense? Like, that's that's terrible parenting. But you've got to understand, like, there's nothing this lady can do. Yeah. Like, this child's going to be killed. Like, this is her last-ditch effort. She's a believer in God and... And she just goes, oh well, this is this is all I can do. And then we know that the you know the the child floats down the river and gets picked up um, by none other than the the daughter of the pharaoh. And Moses becomes the son of the daughter of the pharaoh and grows up in the pharaoh's like kingdom. You know, in in the pharaoh's car, uh, chambers, palace. castle, palace. That's I'm like they didn't have castles. Or <laughs> palace. Palace. Yeah. And then he's just like. He's just he's just killing it. He's just like doing doing his doing his thing as an Egyptian. Um But then there's the whole story where Moses grows up, he realizes he's a Hebrew. He then tries to save the Hebrews, but then he like kills an Egyptian accidentally, and then he's super bummed about it, so he like runs away from Egypt, fearing his life, and then he's like running, and then he protects the daughters of Midian, and then the high priest of Midian, Jephro, takes him in, and then he marry he marries, you know, a Midianite woman, and then he's just living in a shep as a shepherd, um, in complete guilt and shame because of what he's done. Mm. So that's like bam, first two chapters of Exodus out the way. But now we're gonna we're gonna hone in. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna focus on Exodus chapter three, and this is where the story, like, this is where God really powerfully comes into the story, and this this part of the book is just so epic, and it just shows us like what God can do through someone, and it shows us how God picks people um, to be, you know, to do His work. We've been talking with Viviana, you know, an Arise student, and and. It's like, you know, she has made the decision that, oh, man, I, I feel called by God, you know, to go and serve him and to be a witness for him and to lead people to Christ. We're going to be seeing how God, like, chooses people to do that by starting in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1. Do you want to do you want to open up there, Monica? Yes. We're just going to, like, read through this section of the Bible and just, oh, man, it's like maybe one of my favorite stories. Like, it is Awesome. So we're going to be starting in Exodus chapter 3 and verse 1. And you just want to start reading for us. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the, Lord, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the, the Egyptians abuse them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. Mm, thanks, Monica. So, man, this is, like, so cool. So, the, just basically opens, and it's just like, Moses, he's just tending to his flock, walking around some mountains, and then he hears God. God calls out to him, he goes to the burning bush and he goes inside the cave and he takes his shoes off and, you know, Moses, Moses. Um, and, and Moses responds with, here I am, Lord. 
And then, you know, there's this 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 back and forward. And Moses is like, oh yeah, like, hey, like, what's going on, God? And and then God's like, look, I've heard the oppression of my people. I I know what's going on in in Egypt. And so, look, I I. God have selected you, Moses, to be the savior of the people. And then Moses responds with We're gonna nope. get back to it after this song. <laughs> we're gonna see we're gonna see how Moses off. responds. This is epic. Sometimes this crazy world can make us all feel bad. I sit and watch the news and just get sad. We need to stop and smell the roses in the ground Get out today, spread a little love around Talk to a neighbor, volunteer a favor Help out a stranger when his car's broke down Give your wife a kissin' When your kids talk, listen It makes a lovely sound Spread a little love around You know it don't take much to make somebody's day A kind word, a tender touch goes a long way We can change the whole world if we start in our hometown Get out today Spread a little love around Tell your mom you love her Bear hug your brother Treat your sister to a night out on the town Throw the ball for Rover Wrestle in the clover Put a smile on that old hound Spread a little love around It's fine and dandy Take along old granny Dance with the kids and act just like a clown A little tiny kiss and hug Everybody needs that stuff Turn a frown upside down Spread a little love around When this world gets you down Spread God's love around Amen. We should be spreading God's love around in a yes. in a funky country way, just like that. I just, I just, oh, I just love it. I just love little little bluegrass country ditties. Uh-huh. They're just like you know, make message. make it bounce, and then that one's just like, yeah, spread a little love around. Amen. Yeah. Let's yeah. spread God's love around. Amen. And we're gonna see how how Moses feels when God yes. asks him. God asks him, "Hey, this is so funny because so many of us are like, oh, I could never do that. God would really have to like." Write that in the sky for me. And this is basically God writing something in the sky for Moses. And (laughs) Moses' reaction is priceless. (laughs) It's just like, so, so God. And this this actually, like, you know, uh, harkens back to what Jesus, you know, something that Jesus said. So he basically comes to Herod, and Herod's like, oh, do a bunch of signs of wonders for me. And Jesus just sort of stands there silent. And also the Pharisees, you know, the Pharisees, oh, do a bunch of signs and wonders. And it's like, oh, even with signs and wonders, you would not believe. The amount of people who have told me, you know, as a, as a Bible worker, as someone who works in the community, like, oh, yeah, I'd believe in God if he just, like, came down from the sky and said, I'm God. And it's like, well, look at all these people who, like, God literally did that and they didn't believe. Yeah. It's like, man, seriously, like, that's why we have the Bible. We have this objective truth that's not based on experience, but based mm. on your reading, on your that's understanding. Right. It's 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 awesome. And and um, hey, if you want to learn more about the Bible, one eight hundred three two four eight four three. We'll get you hooked up with a Bible teacher in your area. It could potentially even be me. Yes. So if you're in the Newcastle area, give us a call one eight hundred three two four eight four three, and I will study the Bible with you. But if you're in any other area, we will get in contact with. Any church, you know, that's near you and, um, yeah, you can learn more and more about the Bible. But Moses' response here. So, so God's like, come now, therefore, and I will send you to the Pharaoh um, and you'll bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And just before this, God has said like, oh, I'm going to give you the best land. I'm going to like do everything for you. Okay, now all you have to do is go. <laughs> but Moses said to God, 
who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Like, uh, it's so cringy nearly when you read that. It's like God is just literally God. Like, he literally... My version actually says that he protested to God. He protested to God. He's like, um, no, God. Oh, you can't do that. Like... Uh, it's so silly. Like, it's just so silly. And I mean, looking at it retrospectively, knowing that he's totally capable of, of, of doing God's biddings. And yeah. And here he is like, like, oh, no, I can't do it. I think this is the interesting thing. Knowing the person that Moses became mm, is right. like, like, how did you even doubt? But that's the thing. Moses wasn't that person yet. Yeah. And that just shows us, like, the journey that God puts us on, you know, that Moses wasn't this, like, amazing, perfect person. We actually, something that's really interesting I, ju- I just thought about, like, Okay, so you see someone like David, mm. who God selects because he's like David, like grows up ultra faithful. He like you know just loves God, and he you know is like a shepherd boy who like fights lions and then like goes and takes on you know the the Goliath because he just knows God's on his side. And then he like David had this moral decline. Um, you know, with the whole story of Bathsheba and just the terrible parents that he was to, you know, um, oh, what's his son's name? The one that starts Absalom yeah. and Solomon and, and all those dudes. And, and then, you know, like, and then by the end of his life, he like comes back to God, you know. Um, whereas you see someone like a, like a, like a Moses who's just like kills someone, then like grows up in Egypt kills someone, runs away from God, and then God comes to him. And then, like, he just goes on this amazing journey and he just finishes so strong, you know. And, um, yeah, it's interesting the different journeys and the different paths that that God brings us on. But this- I mean, it really is no wonder that Moses is feeling so unbelievably unworthy because, like you just said, he had just murdered someone mm. and run away and left everything behind and mm. was just living out in the desert. Yeah, for 40 yeah. years at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just, like, on this path of, like, look, I'm just... You know, it's he's exiled himself, essentially. You know, he's gone, oh, I'm too... You know, there's a lot of people who get into that position, and, and so do I, you know, that, oh, I'm too sinful to, you know, to do God's will for my mm. life. Like, I'm mm-hmm. too... Like, who am I? And that's exactly what Moses is responding. He's just like, who am I that I should do anything for you? Like, do you know who I am, God? Do you know what I've done, God? Like, do you know what kind of person I am and how I've hurt people? And then we see God's response. Do you want to read verse 12 for us, Monica? Verse 12 says, if I can find it, here we go. God answered, I will be with you, and this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. Mm. So God assures him again. God's like, oh, no, it's all good. It's all good, Moses. We, you got this, bro. Like, let's yeah, don't stress, let's I'm do this. You. Like, I'm with you. Like, I am literally God. Like, I am, like, you know, there's no other gods. Like, I am literally the guy. Like, I will help you. You will worship me outside of Egypt. Like, I've got you back. And so, I wonder then, has this been enough to to convince Moses, you know, that, that, that God is, you know, going to help him and he should go? Well, No. Um, we then see Moses' response. It says, Then Moses said to God, Indeed, I have come to the children of Israel. Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, they um, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say? Um, to, what shall I say to them? So he gets, he makes another excuse. He's just like, No, can't do it, God. I'm too bad. Like, I don't know anything. I'm, un- I'm in- uneducated. Like I can't how speak. I can't, I'm not you know, well, we're going to see that a little bit later, but mm-hmm. he says here, he's just like, I'm uneducated in the things of you. I'm not a priest. So I'm not like legit enough to go and tell the Israelites um, to follow you. And then God's response. You want to read that for us in, in verse 14. 14. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Can you just redo that? How, how the text kind of says that it went down, like it's all in capitals right there. Yeah, what do you mean? Me yell it? Yeah, I am who I am. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the one. It's the one uh, uh, verse in the Bible. I think it's the entire thing is in capitals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like God says, "I am who I am." Like, yeah. it's like, like he's making a massive point. It's like I am God, and he said, "Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, Israel." I am has sent me to you. And it's just like, again, like God's just like, no, it's okay, Moses. Like, we're going to do this, man. Like, it's all good. Like, I am God. Mm-hmm. It's okay. 
Mm, so, so you know, oh, and then it says, moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of, um, God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, um, you know, say to them that he has sent you, this is my name forever, and this is my mem- memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together. And just basically, like, goes through again. He's like, I've seen your affliction. I've seen, you know, like, that everything is just super bad there, but I just want to save the people because I love you and I want to help you. So then it's like, okay, so Moses is going to get it now, you know. Moses is, like, fully going to get it. And what's Moses' response? Let's now go to verse chapter 4 of verse 1. Read that for us. Let me just turn my page. Exodus chapter 4 and verse 1 says, But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, The Lord never appeared to you? Ah, and so, like, he's just like, God is just like, and then he responds, he's like, he starts showing Moses, like, signs and wonders. He's like, cast, you know, cast your rod on the ground and becomes a serpent, you know, wipe your bosom, and, he, and then it turns out he has, like, leprosy and all this stuff, just to just to let them know. Like, he's trying to make a point, like, it doesn't matter, like, what people think or how anyone's going to react or if the Pharaoh gets angry or anything, like, you're good. Like, I'm God, I literally control everything. And then we get another response from Moses in verse 10. What does that say? Verse 10 says, But Moses pleaded with the Lord, O Lord, I am not very good with words. I have never been, and I am not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. Duh! (laughs) At this point, God is just like, Who has made man's mouth? Like, who do you think I am? And eventually, this back and forward just ends with, like, Moses just like, no, nah, I don't want to go. And God's like, sorry, you're going. Like, I've sent Aaron. He's going to take you, and you're good. And it's like, this is how... How does God pick you to go and do stuff? Does God pick you because you're talented? No. Does God pick you because you know everything? No. God picks you um, if you're willing. And Moses ended up becoming willing. But that's the thing. God picks you because he knows he can do the work through you. Um, And, you know, we're going to get back more into this story of Moses. We're going to be talking about the Ten Commandments tomorrow. But right now, this is The Lower Lights with Go Down, Moses. Very, very on-point song. When Israel was in Egypt's land, let my people go. So hard they could not stand Let my people go Go down Moses Way down in Egypt's land Tell Pharaoh Let my people go No more shall they in bondage Let us 
yourself from bondage flee let my people go and let us all in Christ be free let my people go God can change my life, I think I definitely believe in miracles. Okay, so the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church is making a difference in its community. Oh yeah, how? Well, it's worshipping together, loving together, learning together, and above all, preparing for Jesus to return together. Ooh, that sounds good. When's all this happening? Bible studies start at 10 a.m., service at 11 a.m., and guess what that's followed by? Or is it this free lunch I keep hearing about? Absolutely. (laughs) Well, please join us at the Hamilton Seventh-day Adventist Church our address is 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, New South Wales. Every Saturday morning where you will be welcomed with a smile. Are you looking for free, wholesome fun for the kids these school holidays? Maitland Church is having its winter break frog fun day again for six to nine-year-olds. What do you mean frog, Lyle? Is this a fun day for amphibians? No. Frog stands for fully relying on God. And this holiday's theme is Dare to be Different. Activities include songs, Bible stories, crafts and snacks. This is a one-day-only special event on Wednesday, the 10th of July, starting at 9am. To register your kids, call 0411 The address is 72 Brunswick Street, East Maitland. Kids, you are welcome to bring all your friends, but book now as spaces are limited. That number again, 0411 You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio.
Thanks, Jazz, for playing my tune this morning. It's like talking about that all morning. Oh, I just Every want to hear single it. break has been like Can looking up this day? song. <laughs> <laughs> it's just how I'm feeling this morning. It's definitely a happy day. Mm. And yeah, that was Amen. a great track from for all my nineties kids out there. Woo! If you Grab haven't done Sister Act. If you haven't done a rendition of that with your friends, like walking <laughs> down point. the street and someone just starts choir. going, Oh happy day. Well, I hope your morning's been made a little bit happier. Happy as mine. Lawson, another clue for our quiz. Ooh, yeah. uh, this is a final quiz clue for this one. This is another quote. When words are many, sin is not absent, but he who holds his tongue is wise. <laughs> That's some pretty hard advice for your like, hosts. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dearie me. Uh, we've come to the question of the day, Lawson. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And this is really, uh, really on point um, because we were talking about Moses and Moses' hesitation to follow God's calling. Mm-hmm. But how do, like, how do we become willing to do God's will? Like, we know it's the right thing to do, but Ooh, sometimes we, we dig it our heels and willing. I think. The willingness to follow God's call, like we were saying, has nothing to do with like, oh, do I need to become more willing to follow God's call by, do, do I need to just become like better? Or like, do I need to be more talented or, or something? It's ultimately, no. God chooses you. He has a calling for you. And it's you calling for everyone. Mark. has a calling for everyone. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm specifically talking, if you're sitting in your car driving or you're sitting at home, whatever, God has a call for you. And, and and you respond by accepting. Now, being willing to that, sure, that's a process and that's a journey, but I think that's more of a journey of of ignorance, if anything. I, I feel like sometimes you can be like, no, God, I, I just don't want to do that. I just don't want to do that. But ultimately, it's like we most times we say we just don't want to do that because we don't understand the blessing that's going to come from it. Mm. And it's like we just kind of need to accept it. Something that's interesting to see in the Bible is that the bigger call that God has for someone's life, he'll never just like straight up, I think, he'll never just make someone do something that they don't want to do. But the bigger call that God has in someone's life, the more he'll turn the heat up until they choose to do it. Yeah. And where we see this the most is with Jonah, right? I was thinking the same so thing. So Jonah's just like, like this is the, the, the crazy thing about Jonah. Actually, I'm just going to go through it. Like Jonah, God comes to him and says, go to Nineveh and preach. You know, the destruction. Jonah's like, nah, don't want to. I'm just going to not do that. And so Jonah knows the the consequences of not following God, you know, in that way. When you're called to be a prophet like that and not following him, the penalty is is death. And so what Jonah does is he jumps on a boat to Tarshish, which is actually Spain, which we'll be a little bit about Spain this morning. Um, he jumps on a boat to Spain from Israel, literally like the most Western place in the known world at the time. He just wants to get there to get as far away from God as he possibly can. On the way there, God, you know, stirs up a tempest, as the Bible calls, a big storm. And everyone's like, oh, why are we doing this? What, what is going on? Why are the gods cursing us? And, and um, you know, Jonah speaks up. He's like, ah, oh, it's actually my God. And it's like, he's trying to get me to do this thing. But I'd rather, I, I so don't want to. I'm so not willing that I'm just going to jump off the boat and die. And they're like, oh, Okay, bye. And so that's what he does. He jumps off the boat and he's like super ready just to die in the storm. But no, a fish comes along and swallows him up. Okay, so a fish comes along, swallows him up. He goes in the fish all the way to Nineveh. The the fish like chucks him up on the shore. He walks into Nineveh and he says this. He says like the most like unwilling thing. Like at this point, he's willing to do it. Okay, but he does it in the worst, like in the in the, the worst attitude and the worst, like the laziest way. He walks up and he says, "Repent, lest you die in forty days." And 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 they do. They repent. And the whole city 
with an estimated, you know, tens and tens of thousands of people in Nineveh. Nineveh, you know, Assyria was one of the biggest empires of the time. And the, the capital of Assyria, Nineveh, you know, was full of thousands of people. And they just all repent. And they all turn to God. Jonah was one of the single most successful evangelists in the entire Bible. And he was because he just ended up being willing. God had a huge call for him, so he just pushed and pushed until he accepted. And so I think for us, you know, depending on what your call is, like, look, and Jonah was blessed from that. You know, I think for all of us, it's just like, look, just be willing. God has an amazing plan for your life. Just just give it to him. Just let him do the work in your heart that he wants to do and let him use you as the person uh, that he wants to use. But right now, this is Andrew Peterson with Don't Give Up On Me. Amen. God will never give up on us. me home tonight It disappears into the distant light my love Don't give up on me You know I love you but I'm just a man I don't always love you the best that I can my love Just don't Don't give up on me Don't give up on me Don't give up on me I won't give up on you Got all these letters that I never did write affection I kept inside my heart Don't give up on me 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 I won't give up on
that was Andrew Peterson with Don't Give Up On Me. Welcome back to Faith of mm. Emily from The Breakfast Show. We've come to the end of our time together. Yep. And we are going to close off with giving a giveaway away. Oh, look at us go. Uh, that was a terrible sentence, giving a giveaway away. <laughs> giving a giving, giving. Anyway. Giving. I have two identical books. Oh. But one's in English and one's in Spanish. Yeah. And so I thought, you know what? Let's do two giveaways today. Oh, bam. Uh, so give us a call. This is the book Steps to Christ by Ellen White. Uh, you can get the English copy or you can get the Spanish copy. This is a beautiful book. If you're wondering, you know, how it is you can be more willing to do God's will, uh, surrender is at the heart of that mm. question. And uh, this book will certainly teach you how to grow closer um, to God and, and how to be more willing to surrender your will to Him when you yeah. understand more about how much He loves you mm. and what He's done for you. So Steps to Christ, it's a short 13-chapter uh, book. Uh, by E.G. White, you can have the English or the Spanish. Give us a call now and snap those up. 1-800-FAITH-FM. So two lucky winners today. 1-800-324-843. Mm. First two people through can get those copies for themselves or for their friends or whoever they're giving it to. Bam, there you go. Of course, we've come to the end of our show. We've loved being here with you on this Oh Happy Monday. Day, yeah, Oh Happy Monday. Oh Happy Monday. But of course, we're going to be continuing our show through the week. We're going to be going over different stories in the Bible, doing Bible studies and just, just having lots of fun. So stay tuned with us. Keep listening in. We love talking to you guys from 7 to 9 in the morning. We're going to have more amazing guests on, some Arise students as well. Um yeah, it's just going to be Yeah, awesome. and if you want to study the Bible, by the way, for yourself, uh, we can definitely help make that happen. Uh, we can hook you up with a Bible teacher or we can set you up with an online course or with a paper mm. course you want to do it like through the mail, do it old school. Uh, either which way, there's plenty of study, uh, study guides that we can introduce you to, even the one that Lyle's written himself called The Prophetic Code. We can uh, definitely mm. stitch you up with that one. Uh, but we'll be back tomorrow morning after 7 o'clock news. Who knows if Lyle ever will come back. <laughs> Maybe we'll hear from him. Maybe. I have no idea Maybe where he not. is. Somewhere lost in the red center. But yeah, we'll find out tomorrow, I reckon. Stay tuned. Have a great day.